You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily podcast on the Minnesota Timberwolves, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, to another Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, your host here, Colt Molesky. You can find my work and uh, and more Locked On podcasts at zonecoverage.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at cmolesky. Let me know how you like the show. If you've got any questions about the Timberwolves, about me, if as long as it's appropriate, I'll answer it for sure. Uh, and today, David Naylor on the line. He, we're going to be breaking down the Rockets game. And I've, I've got some uh, grievances to air, David. All right, can't wait. I'm so ready. <laughs> you can find his work at zonecoverage.com as well. First, let's let's dive into this game. A uh, little disappointing. I don't know. I guess I don't know what I expected from a James Hart with James Harden back on the floor. But like uh, I was predicting with uh, Ben, the host of the Locked On Rockets, Eric Gordon and Chris Paul were going to have to have big nights for the Rockets to win, and they did just that. Yep. It was like I I had my fingers crossed that the that Harden might want to sit another night and come back for Golden State, and he did look rusty coming back in his first game back in like three weeks at the start of the game. But the Rockets they're just too good at shooting threes, and they shoot a bunch of them. We saw that almost at the end of every single quarter that mattered: first quarter, second quarter, third quarter. The Rockets went on little runs at the end of every one and just blew it open. Especially, it was a little little bit of a wind out of the sails of the Timberwolves at the end of that second quarter when they were looking good. They ended with 33 points in that quarter. But the like you're saying, the little run that they had at the end of the second quarter, I think, was kind of one of the more game-defining moments. You you think back on all the games you watch, and there's always like two or three spots which really kind of had the biggest impact on a game and which way it went. And it felt like the biggest impact was at the end of that second quarter when they went on a little run and started hitting everything, and they ended with 37 points and and really kind of put the Timberwolves away early and jumped out to the lead and and the biggest lead here was 19 points uh, for the Rockets is just it, it they just had the the Timberwolves wow. number because of the, that three point shooting. No, and it was a I felt pretty good about the first quarter, but then Houston goes and hits three threes in the last minute and a half of the quarter and goes mm-hmm. on a nine nothing run just immediately because it was 17 17. Neither team was shooting that well. It was fine, and then abruptly the Rockets are in a 10-point lead, and that's just what they can do because of how the team's set up. <laughs> well, and going into it, it you, you're right. That first quarter, it seemed like they had kind of bogged down the Rockets to play a slower pace that the Timberwolves were more comfortable in, and then, the like you're saying, just took over. Uh, it, was a, it was a little sad just because for the first, what, like 10 minutes of that game, it really felt like the Timberwolves actually had a shot at this. Yeah. So you're look, exactly right. Looking at the numbers, uh, are you concerned at all just over the last couple of weeks the way teams have shot the three ball? Uh, I'm thinking back to the Brooklyn Nets game, even when the three was a, a big emphasis. But just over the course of the last couple of weeks, uh, even through the wins, the Timberwolves still have had some trouble defending teams shooting the three. Uh, is that just a trend, or is that just the Rockets are really good and some teams just get hot from three against the Timberwolves, and that's just the nature of the game? That's just the Rockets have been really good. I haven't looked at the numbers recently, but if I recall right, they actually, uh, opponents hadn't shot the ball that well against the Wolves from three to start the year. So part of it might just be some regression to the mean, not necessarily anything to do with the Wolves' defense, but kind of bouncing back to teams shooting no league average against the Wolves. And then obviously with Houston, they're 
not necessarily one of the better three-point shooting teams in the league, but they just shoot so dang many. Like, they shot... Um, they well, they did shoot forty three percent from three last night, but they also took forty of them. Like, yeah, you're you're gonna get your shots going in if you should take forty tries. Yeah, and the the big hitters for them too had. A, you think of uh, Eric Gordon; he had thirteen attempts from three point land. Uh, Paul had eight. Uh, you had all those guys just taking a lot of shots to really had a chance to get into rhythm from deep. Uh, so it was you kind of you could kind of tell at the end, especially at the end of that second quarter, that this was just the way it was going to be, where the Timberwolves could make mount an effort if they really tried hard. But whatever happened, the Rockets were always going to just fall back into three point shooting, and there wasn't too much they could do about it. Yep, that's and that's what they did. We know the identity of the team. We knew it going in. It was what they were going to do if Harden was out. It's what they did with Harden in. Eric Gordon's one of the better three point shooters in the league when he joined Houston, and this is like. This should not be a surprise. This is what they do. I I will say for a night that Jamal Crawford, the usual guy who offers depth and range to the the offense of the Timberwolves, a night on a night that he went over three, Wiggins and Jones, big nights from from the three point land. Both of those guys went three of five. Hopefully that's a trend that continues. If we can get some range out of both those guys and they can shoot that efficiently from three-point land, that would be huge for the the Timberwolves, just the range that their offense attacks. Well, and your best three-point shooter in your team goes one of seven on the night, and while you've still got guys stepping up, like you would have expected Towns to hit a couple more of his takes. I remember he was 0 of 5 in the, in the first half, I want to say from three and like he's a 41 percent shooter on the year from three you expect two of those to go in so they probably like honestly they would have had had towns made two more would have put him at about a season average shooting from the field from three they would have made 10 threes in the night which is good a good night from three for them and they still would have gotten waxed on it but like they weren't that far off, and yeah, Tyus hitting Tyus hitting threes, especially Tyus scoring in double figures, doesn't happen that often. So it was good to see that. Maybe should have played more than fifteen minutes. Maybe <laughs> just a little. Gosh, how often are we going to say this now that Teague is back? That Tyus should be playing more minutes. Is that just going to be the kind of narrative for the point guard spot for the rest of the season for Timberwolves? Teague doesn't defend. He was a nightmare on offense. He had three turnovers, and Tyus outscored him, which takes out, like, the one thing, like, Teague's supposed to bring spacing and scoring to the starting offense. When Tyus is doing that better than Teague is, even that, I really got to question Tibbs' rotations in the game. Like, i not saying that Tyus should start, not saying this is going to happen every night. We just saw Teague have a great game a couple of games ago when he had 22-8. and eight. But when Teague isn't feeling it, you've got to be more flexible with these rotations. Like, he's he just Tyus, team high, plus five. Again, like, it shows. Teague, minus 22 on the night. Well, and that's one um, of the things coming out of this game where I'm not calling. I still like Teague. I'm not calling for him to be benched by any means. But I think this is where you find out uh, how good of a coach you have here because not only do you have to have a system in place and you have to get these guys ready every game and build a team but you also have to show some level of flexibility and this is really where we're going to see if 
if the the coaching staff where they're really good is if they can feel out in the first quarter and a half which point guard is feeling it because they've got two good point guards both of them can start now you've got to figure out which one is earning the minutes on a specific night and that's the thing is it's not an every night thing it's exactly. not a like it's you play it by ear because you can it's pretty easy to tell at least from my eye test sitting on my couch nights when Teague doesn't have it, or nights when Teague does have it. Like, you can see that from home. So I would assume that the Timberwolves coaching staff can also see that and be like, hey, maybe we should put in Tyus, like, when, um, at that six-minute point in the first quarter when um, Towns usually sits so that he can come in to start the second quarter. Maybe rotate Teague in with the bench unit, get him some more touches, get him, see if he can get his shot going a little bit more as a more primary offensive facilitator with the bench unit. It's these are, like there are things that you can do that seem like they would make sense and work for both guys to make their nights go better that just aren't happening. Well, and just as far as the eye test too, pretty consistently throughout this season, you kind of know if Teague has got it that night or not within the first uh, ten to fifteen minutes of a game. I would say. Uh, just tell me if I'm wrong, but it feels like eye test wise. It, you really can tell if he's just feeling hot both in the chemistry with the, the offense and shooting in the first about 10 to 15 minutes. And that's really where you got to make your decision because when he's going 22 and 8 on those nights, he's not starting out really slow on offense. He start, the first and second quarter are big for Teague and, and whether he gets off to a good start or not. And so right there, I think you could tell whether or not he should be playing a ton of minutes or not. Yeah, and it's there's just got to be more balance and more willing to be flexibility. And I've praised Tibbs in, in recent weeks for doing interesting things with his rotations. Go into a jumbo big lineup off the bench with the elite tip three. Go into a super duper small lineup with Butler at the four a couple of weeks ago in one game. Like he's he he's shown the ability to do this, but there's this there's this one thing that he's not willing to flex on that seems like the easiest thing to see and work with. And I just, I wonder what or if is going to be the break point. Like, how bad does Teague have to be? And, like, I don't think Tyus can be much better than he's been. Like, real honestly, I'm not not saying the ceiling's not going to go up, but it's, it's hard to see him playing better than he has so far this year. So, like, how bad is Teague going to have to be for anything to change for Tyus to get even 20 minutes a night? No, yeah, it's it, it's a solid it's a solid inquiry. I think it's something that definitely needs to build flexibility. Uh, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors before we get back into the discussion on Rockets Timberwolves. After this game, this is not a, a a reaction to one game. This is a reaction to the course of the season and the injuries that the Rockets have sustained over the course of the season, but still have been able to ha- have the record that they have at thirty one and twelve. Is Eric Gordon the sixth man of the year again? No, because Lou Williams exists. Really, you're still get you're still going with just because I think Eric Gordon, if he's on this team, I don't know if they win this many games with the combined injuries of Chris Paul and James Harden, kind of almost back to back. That's fair. Lou Williams has single handedly kept the Clippers relevant while they're going through their injuries, and was he was scoring like thirty two points a game in the last fifteen. He's legitimately getting consideration for an All Star spot as a bench player on a 500 team. Like, it, I can't see any way Lou Williams doesn't get it this year. He's been so good on offense. That's true. That's true. Uh, I just, gosh, 
it, when Eric Gordon decides that he wants to start scoring, he's just so hard. But then again, you can make the same case for Lou Williams. Two really fun players to watch, by the way. Some of the more uh, explosive electric players to watch in the NBA right now are those two. Yeah, the Wolves see the Clippers next week, and I'm excited to see what kind of form Lou's in. <laughs> yeah, gosh, and the way they've been defending the three against some of these guys, Lou Williams is going to be able to eat. Well, he's just, he's one of those guys. I he's the guy you know. Whereas, like, it feels like he kind of have a game like if we remember the Nets loss, how how Spencer Dinwiddie could just feel like he got everything he threw up to go in. He lose one of those kind of guys except you see it every single night. Like <laughs> any kind of shot he wants, any anything he can find. It's like he, there's a reason that he and Jamal are in the same sentence a lot of the time because they're two of the best bench scorers in the history of the league. Like legitimately. No, yeah, they're f- so much fun to watch. Phenomenal. Uh, I particularly love Lou Williams because, uh, as the listeners know, I have that bet with Dane on if the Clippers can can finish at a higher seed than Oklahoma City, and they he has almost single-handedly got me right back into this bet. I feel like Lazarus. I'm back from the dead with the Clippers. Yeah, the, the, and the playoff standings are hilarious because the Clippers are into a playoff position now. Yeah, they're, um, they were at the... Uh, they were at the sixth spot yesterday. They're at the seventh spot currently today, uh, with Oklahoma City right there at that fifth spot, and they're only game and a half up. Yep. Yeah. So that that's real fun. Uh, back to the Timberwolves. Is this just kind of after this game? Do you just kind of go? This is the top tier. They've lost to Golden State and Houston, both of them pretty decided games. Uh, both those teams kind of in control against the Timberwolves. Is it just now you know that it's for sure the the Warriors and Rockets, and then the Timberwolves are in that second tier still, and it's it's really going to be tough for them com- to compete with that first tier. Is that kind of just establishing what we really already knew going into this game? I'll say this. That's what a lot of people have written about last night. Our colleague Tim Fake, listened his recap of the game, kind of wrote, yep, that's the, here's the tier list. Um, Golden State and Houston are at the top. Gosh, Do Tim, not you're so forget basic. No, that... <laughs> Do not forget that the Wolves played probably their best game of the year before all of this defense changing, all of like all of the good things we've seen in the last six weeks. Probably still their best game and best win of the year, I would say, was the win over San Antonio at home. Um, way back in November, which they controlled nearly from start to finish. They won by double digits against a team that has been a bogey team for them and the rest of the league for, like, 15 years. And while Golden State and Houston might be out of reach, I am not willing to put San Antonio in that tier yet. I think that the Wolves can potentially pass San Antonio for the three seed and have played equivalent to better and aren't missing their best player with a mystery injury. Oh, I'm right with you there. I think that the third seed is still so up for grabs. Which I... While I optimistically predicted that at the start of the season, I didn't really think this was going to be how it was. But not that Minnesota can't fall down. They're now only three games up in Oklahoma City themselves. But San Antonio is still just just as much in reach and has taken just as many bad losses to bad Eastern Conference teams as Minnesota has. No, I, I really like Minnesota to leapfrog them, uh, especially since... There's, again, no timetable on Kawhi. I mean, he could be back after the All-Star break. Uh, he might not be back until maybe a couple weeks before the playoffs. I was saying this on Wolves Wired earlier this week. It's like the Spurs are a hockey team. 
You know, hockey teams give <laughs> yeah. you like, no, yeah. it's a lower body injury. He'll be back sometime. <laughs> uh, something like something exactly with his thighs or his that's legs exactly or his how body. The Spurs are playing it. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, he, some part of him is hurt. He's out indefinitely. We'll tell you more in a month. I think some of it is just them being flustered too a little bit. Like, what do you what do you do with Kawhi? Like, you kind of you had him on the injury. Maybe you're thinking you rushed him back now when you didn't really need to, and he played, and now he maybe aggravated more, and now you might be hosed because what if he's out for a play? If San Antonio goes in, I know it's Pop and it's San Antonio, and I really shouldn't underestimate them. But if they if they drop a seed and they have to play somebody uh, like the Clippers. In a, a playoff series, that's a tough playoff series for them to play without Kawhi. Well, here's the real thing with them and with everyone: three seed gets to not play Golden State in the second round if they take care of business. That's that's true. a big deal. Like even as outclasses the Wolves looked against Houston last night, Golden State is Golden State. You don't want to see Golden State in the playoffs, so you absolutely have to, which means getting the three seed. Like. I think the three seed is so critical to even think you have a sliver of a chance. Even as outclassed the Wolves looked against Houston last night, even as not close as that game ended up looking, I'd rather play Houston than Golden State a hundred times out of a hundred in the playoffs, the regular season, whenever. Give me Houston every time. That's true. That said, uh, if the playoffs started right now, the Minnesota Timberwolves would play the New Orleans Pelicans. And the way they've played the Pelicans this year, that's a sweep, I almost think. It's a, I, I was actually talking to a couple people from New Orleans Twitter area about that a couple of nights ago. It just turned into a really bad matchup for New Orleans, which <laughs> I did not expect. I thought New Orleans would play the Wolves much better than they have. But at the same time, the five through nine teams in the West are separated by two games right now. Six through nine are separated by one game. Like, who knows who's going to be in those seeds? Could be any of OKC, Portland, New Orleans. Uh, the Clippers in Denver, which I will note, those five teams combined, I think the Timberwolves are 14-1 and one against. Yeah. With yeah. the one loss coming to Oklahoma City. Like, they are in a position where they should win their first-round playoff series if they stay for, well, five or up, essentially. No, yeah, for sure. I definitely I definitely like that. Uh, we're going to go to one more break before I get to, I have a rant, uh, but we're going to go to a break first. I I know that the, the West is packed, but the starters were announced for the All-Star game. Really feel like Butler should have been in there. I really feel like Butler should have been a starter. And I understand that they're packed, and I understand that you only get two guards, and Curry and Harden were the two guards. But at the same time, you already took away the center position. You can They're clearly flexible with the positions, and they just want to get the best players in there. I think that there's a case to be made for... Butler over Davis or or Durant just to get the best guys in there uh, just because Bo- I think he's a better two-way player. His defensive rating is better. Uh, I think he's a better two-way player. Uh, his plus minus is way better than uh, Davis's and it's just below Durant's. I, I just really feel like even though they, those guys score more points and uh, they average higher in like rebounds, stuff like that, I think that the, what Butler has done for the Timberwolves and the way he's played as of late make the case that he should have been a, an NBA All-Star starter. Uh, pr- t- talk me down from this. Talk me down from this. Uh, you didn't pick the name that I would have picked of the three front court starters, which is DeMarcus Cousins. 
Um, it's totally, honestly, it's totally ludicrous to argue that either Davis or Durant shouldn't be starting. Davis in particular has been putting up like almost never before seen numbers in the last couple of weeks. He put up 47 and 15 against Boston, almost single-handedly took them to a victory. He's playing amazing basketball. He's a better, he's in the same conversation as, as, um, Butler on defense, which matters a ton. And the Pelicans are pretty woeful without Davis on the court. And the 11 points better uh, with Davis on the court as opposed to when he's off the court. Whereas DeMarcus Cousins, if you look at on-off numbers, basically a neutral, even as good as he's been. He's basically a neutral in his on-off numbers. And, like, Butler has phenomenal on-off numbers for the Wolves, as you would expect, but so does the entire not-quite-starting lineup, including Tyus Jones. Um like all five. Of so you're saying I made I made a good case, just the wrong. I made it against the wrong player. That's you made on all certain. The wrong guy, because I think there are arguments that can be made if you spread it out. Maybe you can have the argument over Cousins, because I think Cousins' spot was the most contentious that I saw around, as opposed to like including a Draymond Green or honestly for me Lamarcus Aldridge, who has carried San Antonio to where they've been at this year by having his best year in a, in a Spurs uniform, but. I think the more interesting argument is you could argue Butler over Curry because of all the time that Steph has missed. Steph's missed 15 games, and that's been an argument over that um, several people have made in favor of Russell Westbrook. I think you can make the exact same point that Jimmy Butler should be starting instead of Steph because Steph missed 15 games this year. He's been unbelievable when he's played, but there are people who don't want to record reward him missing a third of the season so far. So... I agree with your argument. I don't agree with the players who you picked it against. I suppose. I guess you can. The Kevin Durant one is probably the shakiest limb I went out on. But against Davis, it just. Both Davis and Covens. Or Cousins, excuse me, are, are putting up stats, but their team is awful. Like, I realize that they're probably not a playoff team without those two guys on there. But at the same time, Davis is able to put up huge numbers because he doesn't have any help around him so he's kind of it's almost similar to the the Russell Westbrook last year where he had a poor team around him and he just willed that team to the playoffs uh whereas it's more impressive to me if not only is Butler leading this team uh to the playoffs but he's making other players around him great I think Towns is the ca- the case that Towns is so much better and he's an all-star is the case that why Butler should be an all-star starter I think that New Orleans being awful is a stretch. Remember how easily Boston kind of manhandled the Wolves a couple of weeks ago? New Orleans went into Boston and beat that team. This New Orleans team has a great ceiling, and I don't know if you've watched the other contenders for this West 6-7-8-9 seed recently. Denver has looked awful and has gotten beat by terrible teams. <laughs> Portland, similarly, the Wolves just waxed Portland at home the last time they saw them. And the Clippers... They're, yeah, they're getting guys back from injury, but like I, um, I listened to boy, it would have been Zach Lowe and Bill Simmons on one of their two podcasts this week. They did an All Star Preview podcast, and they made I think it was Simmons that made the point that New Orleans is not a team you want to see in the playoffs with Cousins, Davis, and Drew Holiday. Who Drew Holiday is not getting talked about enough for the year he's having in the game he's playing. He's a legitimate part of the conversation of a big three in New Orleans. He's been that good. Except and, for the Timberwolves, who the last couple times they've played them, they've handily beat them. You're right, but New Orleans, I 
cannot call New Orleans a good a bad team in good faith. I don't think they are. I think they've got a great ceiling. I don't think they're going to be sellers the trade deadline like some thought they might. I and I do think that like they're a team that if like if San Antonio sees them in a three six matchup, I would not be happy about that matchup with the Spurs. I think the Spurs could very easily lose that matchup. Well, I think that heavily. Again, heavily hinges on Kawhi, which is really the, probably the biggest question mark of the season right now in the NBA. Uh, maybe I'm just getting a little emotional. Uh, hey, I, I got feelings. I'm not a rock. I, I want Jimmy Butler to be a starter. Uh, you're right. I think Jimmy Butler will make the All Star game. I'm not concerned about him being being a starter. I can live without it. That's totally fine. In fact, I think that both Butler and Towns are going to make the All Star game as it currently stands. Towns is the biggest fence that people are on as it stands. I think he's got a real good shot to get in there. I like. I would love if he made the All Star game as well. Really, why I don't like it is I feel like in a month or not a month, but in like two months, people are going to start saying, "Well, is Butler really an MVP candidate because he he didn't start at the All Star game?" And I feel like that's a BS argument. But I I just know I'm going to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> If he's good enough to be in the MVP argument, he'll be good enough to be in the MVP argument. Yeah, and I really feel like he should be one of the MVP candidates. Like, he should be one of the top four guys. Yeah, and I don't disagree with that, but that's a conversation for the end of the season, not for now, in my opinion. You're right. It's so hard to, it's so hard to forecast what the next 30 games are going to bring for every team in the league. All right, like, this is why I bring you in on a Friday because you're you're the veteran presence that calms down the the young guy. I'm the young buck. I, I just I just want to see Jimmy Butler start the All Star game, and uh, I'm I'm looking for reasons for him to do it. But you're the voice of reason. You, if you want to make the argument smartly, say that Steph missed the third of the season, and Gosh. then Jimmy's been better than Westbrook has. He just gets like, that. He gets the two time MVP bump for All Star votes. Is the thing. Yeah, and he's and he's been ludicrous since he got back. Oh, he has been a monster hell. since returning. <laughs> like he's been unreal. <laughs> yeah, he's been he's been crazy hot, and it just doesn't. It like every game that the, has been close to for the the Warriors, it just doesn't seem like he's worried because he knows he's got like ten threes in the bag for the the late game. Yeah, well, you, you want to think you want a game that I bet's not going to be close. Uh, the Wolves play Golden State in Golden State next week on the second night of a road road back to back. Yeah, that's gonna be rough. That's <laughs> like if there's ever a schedule, if I've ever seen a schedule loss before at any point in any NBA season ever, second half of a back to back on the road at Golden State. Nope, I don't care how good you've been. You know <laughs> what? That's the that's the time. Loss. Have fun. <laughs> that's the time you've been ignoring your girlfriend, your wife, your kids all season long to watch the Timberwolves. That's the day. Take them out to dinner. Take them to a movie. That's the game to do it for. But then you'll be back because it's a West Coast tip and it starts at nine thirty. <laughs> that's true, and you know, Dave, and you know, you'll watch it. because you're a sucker. <laughs> oh, I I watch all the games. I try to watch all the games. You, you and I are just uh, we're just hopelessly NBA lost. So you know, we'll be up for it. It's the it's those three West Coast tips next week that only the diehards will be up for because they're all those nine thirty Central tips. Gosh, God forbid I get any sleep for class. God forbid. <laughs> Some of us have to be at work at six forty five in the morning, my friend. Those nights kill me now too, but it's worth it. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. All right, well that that's it for us, David. Thanks for coming on. Always a pleasure, my dude. Take care. This has been another Lockdown Wolves podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Locked on Timberwolves.
your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.